Hey, this is Steven with Radiant Knife, and you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Phantasm. Maximum terror. That's your target audience, baby! Phantasm. Did you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm. Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Hey, this is Dr. Vincent West, medical doctor with the Phantasm Podcast. I'm very excited to have uh, Stephen from Radiant Knife, and we're going to be talking about their new album, Pressure, uh, which came out uh, on July 14th. And Stephen's kind enough to join us all the way from Louisiana. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. Uh, how about yourself? Hanging in here, just another day in Florida. Just hanging out. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're not too far from Louisiana, huh? No, I'm actually in Pensacola. I'm not too far at all, actually. Oh, yeah. So, Man, some of my old bands, we played some shows in Pensacola uh, a long time ago, probably 15, 20 years ago. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I can't really remember much about it, but I remember we definitely played some shows there. Well, it's funny. I, I grew up in the Miami area, and my aunt was stationed okay. here years ago in the Navy, and yeah. I always kind of had a thing for this area. To be completely honest with you, I'm in this area because of work, but I'm also here because it's a hell of a lot cheaper than living, unfortunately, where I used to live, which I, I wish I could still afford to live in Boca Raton, but I just can't. So, I bet, um, man. I bet it's expensive over there. It is brutal, yeah. But I, I like it out here. It's all right. Uh, I didn't really care for the cyclone a few years ago, but um, <laughs> I'm used to the hurricane stuff. The cyclone thing freaked me out, but uh, yeah. So, uh, for our listeners, uh, how did Radiant Knife come to be for you and, and your involvement with uh, the band, whatnot? Uh, well, you know, we're just a two-piece, so it's just me and uh, Greg, uh, Greg Travassis, our uh, my drummer. Um, so he's from Lafayette as well, Lafayette, Louisiana, and we've known each other probably since you know nineteen, twenty years old. Cool. Um, and in past bands, uh, we our ba- our bands played together. And we were kind of in the same kind of math rocky, you know, Don Caballero influenced type projects, I guess. Um, and, um, you know, he moved away to Portland for a little while. Uh, I was in several other projects after that. And then I think around the two, six, 2016 time frame, I had a, a, a project coming to an end. And I'd hit up, hit up Greg just via email and he had just moved back to Lafayette. So uh, from he said he had time to do the project, and uh, you know, I mean, Lafayette's not the biggest town, but uh, I'm pretty sure in any town, a drum, a good drummer is hard to come by. Uh, so when when he said he was into it, I was like, all right, we're gonna do this, you know. So uh, yeah, we've been around a while, and that's kind of how it started. I think our first jams were in the t- 2016 time frame. Awesome. Uh, and we've been putting out albums ever since, man. That's cool. That's around the time we started Phantasm, so that's that's fun. Um, <laughs> a long time ago, but. Uh, you know we're we're older. Uh, we kind of take it easy, kind of take it slow. We're not, you know, we're not hitting the road all the time. So sure. we just take our time with the albums and uh, just have fun with the music. You know, absolutely, uh, no, no real. It's just a, a passion project at this point. You know, that's awesome. Um, and then as far as uh, we'll jump right into this record uh, pressure. 
Uh, what can you tell us about the first track, Slumber? Uh, well, uh, what, what I'll say is, uh, you know, when we write, we kind of write in two different styles. Um, sometimes we lean more towards the technical aspects of uh, writing riffs, like, you know, pummeling, you know, off time, off kilter, time changes, stuff like that. And sometimes we, we kind of relax a little bit and get into the more as atmospheric aspects of things. Uh, but Slummer is definitely on that technical side, and it just kind of starts off, you know, raging. And it's it's kind of in, in your face and out your face in, in three minutes. And uh, it that's kind of the, the side of us that where we start to get kind of technical and get real heavy and as technical as we get. You know, it's still sure. kind of sludge influence. Uh, it's not a pompous uh tech technical guitar work or anything but just try to make some cool riffs that are heavy and off time uh don't don't sit on too long and and, and move on to the next one so that's that's kind of how slum slumber is and there's a few songs in that style on our on our album but it, it's cool to kick off with those songs because it kind of gets everybody's attention you know absolutely it's a great way to kick the record off and then what about track two ghost samurai yeah that one's kind of more you know the uh, tone down as far as the the riffage is, uh, you know, focusing on the good riff, the good just chug, chugging riff that everybody can bang their head to and, and kind of get into. And it kind of starts to lean on to the atmospheric type side with the uh, the vocals and the um, uh, synth. I, I would say it's slightly, you know, it could be slightly doom influenced. Uh, I, I really don't know how to describe our sound. I struggle with it, so I kind of just leave it up to people to tell us how we sound. Oh, cool. You know? And uh, we just kind of flip-flop between what we're feeling at the time and, and Ghost Samurai is kind of more of a, just a chugging, kind of almost doom riff, you know, that follows the uh, follows Slumber, which is the more technical. Actually, those songs are joined, uh, and, and when we play them live, you know, once we end, end Slumber, we go right into Ghost Samurai for the most part. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a, you know, it's the it's the yin and yang shit. You know, it's a here's one way of doing things, and here's here's the here's a here's the how we do it on this song. You know, a, a little different flavor. Awesome, very cool. Um, and then the next song, uh, Phil Collins was right. I'm a huge Phil Collins fan, by the way, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> I was watching some some footage of him uh, talking shit on Peter Gabriel the other day. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, uh, that song, you know. Uh, I guess you could say we're metal. I mean, we're pretty heavy, but um, we we dabble with some melodic type stuff too. Uh, and that one, I think, has more of a melody to it. It's kind of uh, simple riffs, but the uh, the synth kind of carries everything. Um, so being a two piece, I play synth with a uh, with my foot. I have kind of like a a Getty Lee setup. Awesome, man. Um, um, so I can I can pull all that stuff off live, but. Uh, um, on the album, you know, I might take some some advantage of uh, making it a little more complex, but it's still pretty simple. But that but that song really is carried by the synth, and then the we definitely uh, employ more singing on that song than screaming. Um, so uh, yeah, that one's just kind of kind of kind of got the hooks, I guess you could say. You know, what's your favorite? Now, are you more of a Phil Collins solo guy, or are you a Phil Collins Genesis guy? Uh, you know, I I can't say that I know much about him. Uh, when he when he played drums, 
in Genesis. I think he played drums in Genesis, right? Oh yeah. He he, he was the original drummer, so I can't yes, say I've listened to too much of that material. But then the later Genesis, I remember from the eighties. You know, the shit's great. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. You know, and I, I think all anybody can remember that video with the the weird puppet people. Uh, this is the world we live in. Oh yeah, land of confusion. Oh yeah. Yeah, there you go, man. I mean, that was a great video. But uh, I mean, I, I dig all that stuff, man. Phil Collins is a talented, talented uh, guy. You know. Oh, I think his, he's um, a great drummer. Yeah, his solo stuff is great. You know, I mean. Uh, just you know it's nothing fancy but it's great songwriting you know he's i i think he's one of the best drummers to ever live i'm a him keith moon and neil pert are my guys and then know. uh yeah. I, I, you know you're making me want to go just listen to some phil collins playing drums and see, see what it's about i i've heard he was a great drummer but i, I can't identify him on any of that old genesis material you know i mean that's I'm him sure drumming on his solo from his early solo stuff that's all him um, yeah. There's a song on uh, if if you go spin. Um, oh gosh, um, I'll just walk in here real quick. I said recording, but I'm walking away from my mic. This is gonna drive me nuts because I've got all this shit in here. Where is that album? I'll take it back in here with us. Okay, here we go. So my favorite uh, Phil Collins album is No Jacket Required. Okay. And he drums on this whole thing. And there's a song on here called Inside Out, man. The drums on it okay. are just... It sounds like he's going to knock you through a fucking wall. He's hitting them so hard. It's crazy. But yeah. I love him, man. He's, kinda, he, he's great. He kind of pioneered that gated gated snare technique, too, in the, in the gated toms. Where it's oh, on, yeah. You know, when he comes with that... Uh, with that uh, you know, from yes, that, sir. From that break. So... Uh, not only, I guess, a good player, but also uh, good in the studio as far as recording and all that. And he's... I'll tell you another thing that's really weird. A lot of people don't know this, but he drummed on uh, Eric Clapton's August album. Really? So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, that in the way that you use it, the Color of Money thing, the Tom Cruise, the pool movie? Hey, that's him oh. drumming on that. Yeah, he's okay. beating the hell out of the drums. Like I, I'm a, like I said, him, him, Keith Moon, Neil Peart, and yeah. uh, uh, Thin Lizzy's drummer, which I'm drawing a blank on right now. Those are probably my guys. Um, yeah, uh, you can't you can't beat that, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I, but yeah, anyway, sorry, I got sidetracked. But I just I saw the Phil Collins thing. I had to run with that for a minute. I'm no, keep... I love I love uh, talking about uh, musicians and especially the older the older group of guys, man, because. To me, that was the real shit back then. You Absolutely, know? amen. It was, before, it was before quantizing all that dog shit and uh, yes, sir. You know, auto tune that stuff. So when you listen to some of those old albums, you're you know you're experiencing true true musicianship for sure. Absolutely, yeah. amen. Um, so moving on, let's see. Uh, Give yourself away, track four. Yeah, that's a uh, you know that's kind of more of one of those doom influenced kind of uh, how you know maybe. Um, Maybe I was uh, feeling Yob at that time, you know. Yeah. Uh, the Our Raw Heart album, you know, I, I really dug that album. And uh, I'm not saying that that song sounds like it, but I feel like it might be kind of tinged with some of that some of that vibe. Sure. Uh, you know, definitely not in the same realm as, as Yob, but I, I feel like that one kind of has that, uh, um, 
you know, kind of the same same vibe, I guess. And and the lyrics, you know, uh, it's really just about uh, giving yourself away. You know, it doesn't matter anyway. You're just a single grain of sand on a barren uh, land. You know, right? It's basically you're nothing in the universe. You know, um, so I kind of like the vibe of that song. Oh, it's great. Um, let's see here. Track five, Sunsets from Space. Yeah, that's a that's an instrumental, and uh, that you know that's another style that we kind of write in. It's not very tech. It's not super over tech. It's not uh, very melodic, but it's got some other kind of sci-fi element going on um, that kind of kind of does convey a, a, a kind of a, a sci-fi outer space vibe, uh, and it has a cool breakdown in the middle. I, I really like that song. It's, I really like playing that song because uh, we can pull it off pretty easily. One, and uh, it just feels good to play and jam on. You know, it's nothing. It's nothing too complex, but. Uh, I really like the riffs. Uh, I, it's just something I, I identify with, you know, uh, something about that style. I really like playing that type of music. So That's great, man. It's a killer track. Uh, let's see, track six, Mortals. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, kind of, kind of start. I think, you know, I think that's, that's pretty much the back half of the album, you know, so that's when, that's when, uh, side B starts on the vinyl. Right. Um, so you kind of close out with sunsets from space. And then Mortals kind of starts to kick off that tech, tech, uh, you know, just kind of in your face, just kind of up tempo, fast, uh, heavy riffs, and, and so more, Mortals is kind of the beginning of that, uh, which kind of just rolls into the next next couple of songs. I think that song kind of ends with like a a slightly more down tempo ending, but it's more of a chuggy type ending. Um, but at first it starts off with some off time, like five, seven or, you know, some kind of weird, weird time signature. So, uh, yeah, I like that song, man. That's, that's a good one too. Very, very cool. Uh, let's see, uh, number seven, his Kappa was delayed. De- his Kappa was detated. Detated. Uh, sorry. That's a quote from, uh, from Michael Scott from the office. <laughs> oh dude, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but, uh, but uh, it, it just something that just would stick in my head, and I was like, "Man, you know what? We're gonna call it. We're gonna call a song." Uh, he was talking about his boss that uh, I believe got uh, decapitated when a truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it says his capo was detated. That's great, <laughs> <And it's>, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, uh, that that one's you know uh, it's got the it's got uh, it's a little off time, but it's kind of got more of a rock element to it. It's got a, a pretty cool breakdown that. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think a lot a lot of people could could get into even if you're not into uh, weird avant garde metal or anything, you know. So um, that one was a good single. That that was our first single because it's kind of concise, has a lot of lot of stuff going on in it, and it's uh it's not blazing fast or any, by any means, but it's kind of up tempo, and it kind of uh kind of was a good single to 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 get the uh, the album pressure kicked off, you know. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and you gotta you gotta love the office. That's that's fun. I, you know what's funny? The episode you're talking about is one that I I watch certain episodes of that over and over again. That's that's one that I I think because his boss died, it just kind of fucked with my PTSD, and I was just like, but I guess I need to watch that now so I can hear the joke because I just I, I think I kind of 
watched it one time and then never probably went back to it because I was just like, oh man, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually completely uh, burnt out on The Office, but because I've watched it so much in the past. Um, but I, I know probably in five years I'll come back to it. You know? Oh yeah. It'll probably it'll probably still be on TV. So. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely <laughs> definitely out there. Um, let's see, track eight, uh, cleanser. Yeah, uh, yeah, man, that was, that was kind of a different song, uh, I don't know, you ever, um, you ever listened to a band called Breadwinner, they were, uh, kind of like an older technical instrumental band. I'm not familiar uh, with them. With, I think they came out with an album that was called The Burner. Nope. And it was, uh, it was some real, uh, Real awesome shit. Uh, I think the drummer may have gone on to play in Confessor. I, I could be wrong. Oh, okay. But uh, the drummer's uh, like one of the best drummers ever. But uh, they had some cool breakdowns and some cool riffage. And for some reason, that song kind of reminds me uh, a little bit of some of that old Breadwinner stuff in the middle. Um, kind of just has like some odd, kind of off-kilter breakdowns with some nothing nothing too crazy but the the timing of it is is interesting to me you know um it kind of starts off rock and roll but then it uh kind of goes into that off weird off time noise rock shit or something in the middle you know oh, okay um and then something just kind of like a i, I don't know kind of like some airy singing and and a, a final closeout riff you know yeah uh, that, that, that one we don't really play that one too much live i would like to get into it I think we'd have to work on being able to pull it off because it's kind of hard hard to pull it off to sing that stuff and play at the same time. But uh, yeah, um, that one's a good one, man. It just doesn't get enough rotation in the live sets, you know. Let me ask you this, just real quick about your live set. Is it just the two yeah. of you? Yeah, it is, man. God um, damn, that's crazy. So yeah, uh, I mean, if you go check out YouTube, I mean, there's some footage of us playing. You can check out how how we pull it off. But uh, that's awesome. So I just have a I have a guitar rig, just a basic guitar rig with a head and a cab, and then I have a bass rig with a bass head and a bass cab, and I, I split that I split the signal from my guitar through like a octaver, like a electro harmonics uh, micropog, I believe it is. Okay. Uh, that goes to the bass amp, you know, and it kind of it kind of gives you like a fake bass sound, you know, like. It doesn't really sound quite like a bass, but it definitely pushes that low end way more than a guitar, and it uh, it fills up your sound pretty good. That's neat. And then, uh, and then, uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, then I play keyboards with my foot. So, uh, man, to be honest, we, we have a pretty full sound uh, live, you know, for a two piece, in in my opinion, you know. Now on the on the record, you know, I, I do double guitars and stuff like that, and I may take some liberties with the bass track. As far as like, oh know, yeah, of course, that's cool. Not have not having it mimic the guitar a hundred percent, but like write actually write kind of a bass part for for the guitar riff, you know. Right. But um, but we still pull it off live, man. Uh, there's there's some good live footage out there, so if you if you go check it out, you can see how it's done. Uh, it is a lot of shit to lug around and set up for a live show for just one guy, you know. Right. But um, but I've got it down to where. I can get everything plugged up pretty much in less than 20 minutes. So uh, with, through a lot of uh, trial and error, I think I've got it worked out to where uh, there's no downtime during a show, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
do, do you all do now is it a pretty big set or is it do, do you like that i mean have you ever thought about bringing in like mem other members to do the live set or do you all just say fuck it we're just going to do the two piece and, and it's uh you know um it's really comes down to like personalities you know and uh you know when you add another member it could be a, a dynamic change for the better but it could also be a dynamic change for the worst uh, I mean, sonic, sonically, it probably would help it with the right person in the place. Right. In place. But, man, those people are just hard to come by. Yeah. You know, it's hard to come by somebody who, like, uh, would show up on time, has their own shit, uh, is respectful, can add value, like, play some badass riffs, you know? And, right. Uh, I have thought about adding a bass player here and there, but, um, uh, you know... Uh, with just a two-piece, it's so easy. Just uh, making decisions as far as riffs are concerned. Right. Making decisions as far as like what we're gonna do and you know how we're gonna do things. It just makes it simple, man. So I think the the simplicity kind of trumps any kind of value we add by adding a number another member. You know. Uh, oh, I mean, I, I hope you didn't. I wasn't like suggesting that. Like, are you familiar with the band? I don't even know if they still exist. A band called Zombie with an I. Yes, the synth player and the uh, and the drummer. Man, I always thought that. I don't know if they still exist or not. I haven't listened to them in years, but that's kind of what I thought about when I was reading your all's bio. I was like, man, that's really fucking cool. Not yeah. that y'all sound like that. I'm just saying that I thought it was neat. You know, oh, uh, I love I love Zombie. They're one of my favorite bands. Uh, I probably have almost all their albums. And I think uh, Pinkish Black is a duo as well, and I really love them. They kind of got that dark wave type vibe, but they kind of have a little bit of progressive edge and. Yeah, the I think zombie. They uh, the guy trades off between bass and synth here and there. You know, like a real bass. And do they still exist? I, as far as I'm aware, they came out with an album. I think maybe about a year ago. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I always when I listened to them, this was you know 15 years ago. I, I thought they were cool because I'm a big John Carpenter fan. They sound like like John Carpenter's like correct. scores. You yeah, know, they def they definitely have that influence. Uh, that album Cosmos, and then. Uh, the album I really liked back in the day was a uh, Surface to Air. Oh yeah, that record's great. Yeah, it kind of has a little Rush influence. You can yeah, hear, you know? yep, yep. That's those albums turned me on to them for sure. And and the newer albums, uh, you know, I continue to buy and, and I dig them. Um, but yeah, if you uh, if you haven't heard Pinkish Black as well, check them out. They're kind of a almost kind of the same deal, but. Uh, a little more gritty and definitely darker. Oh, okay. Kind of like this dark, dark, somber vibe. Um, just the way the guys. I mean, Zombie doesn't really sing, but the guy who sings for Pinkish Black, he, he's a good vocalist, man. It's, it adds a cool vibe there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check. Yeah, I'm not familiar with them either. I'll have to check them out. Um, yeah, they're cool. Awesome. And then let's see the final track here, uh, Demon Legs. Yeah, that's, um, you know, uh, Back in the day, when I, when I was heavily influenced by like uh, some of these technical bands, like uh, like Breadwinner I had mentioned, and then uh, Don Caballero, uh, a band called Keel Hall, which I used to love. I'm not familiar um, with any of these bands. I feel stupid. <laughs> oh, okay. What? But I, I'm more of a. I, I was my favorite band growing up was Rush. And well, yeah. I never missed a tour. My uncle was obsessed with them. We saw every tour from yeah. 80 
to like 97 together. Then he died shortly thereafter that. And then I finished watching them. But I, you know, it's weird. Like I, a lot of music, like I'm a big Thin Lizzy fan, but there's, there's a lot of bands that like, I don't know. It's hard for me to really listen to like a lot of newer and like your records, was killer, but I'm just saying a lot of you know. There's a lot of stuff these I'm, these bands that I end I up know, interviewing, and they're you know. Yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. Um, I still listen to the same bands that I discovered when I was 19, 20. You know, right. Uh, and and those bands were influenced. I didn't realize it at the time, but they were heavily influenced by Rush, Yes, King Crimson, all those guys. And, sure. Uh, and then when I got older, I started circling back to those older bands like Yes and King Crimson. I was like, and Mahavishnu Orchestra is another one that I really like. I'm not familiar but, with uh, them either. Never heard of them. They're, they're pretty, there's old man, uh, you know, 70s, great, uh, almost a little fusion influenced in a weird way, but uh, they have, uh, their album Birds of Fire is amazing. I'll but, have to check that but out. Anyway, so a lot of those bands kind of have a long form uh you know, like uh, the songs would be like eight minutes long, nine minutes long. Sure. And that's how I used to write as well. So so Demon Legs is kind of back to that, how I used to write. Um, let, let You know, letting the song continue on instead of saying you got to box it in this three or four minute format. Just just let it play. And that, that one has that cool, cool outro that kind of, I mean, the song starts off full blitz, just, you know, heavy tech shit. But by the end of it, it's just this airy, I don't know, I call it kind of like a comet tale of just synth, acoustic guitars, and like uh, kind of just fading out, you know? Right, um, right. So that kind of, it's kind of influenced by those those bands. And uh, yeah, man, definitely check out Keel Hall, man. If you're a Rush fan, you will definitely like Keel Hall because the drumming on that is some of the baddest drumming uh, ever, man. Awesome. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, look look for a Keel Hall. A bit, uh, I think the album is called Subject to Change. That's a great one, um, and uh, it's pretty much instrumental. There's a little bit of vocals, but uh, I mean, just pummeling, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I will definitely check that out. I I don't know. It's weird. Like a lot of the stuff, like I think the thing I probably get stoned for the most is I'm a Tony Martin era fan of Black Sabbath because that's what I saw. Yeah. When I was yeah. growing up, like I I came right in at the end of Ronnie and then right into Tony. I love the Tony Martin era stuff and people fucking hate it and I'm I that's just what I like. Um Man, I can't say that I've ever listened to it to be honest. Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you one to spin and it, it's 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 been out of print for years is Headless Cross. That's my favorite Black Sabbath album. Um, I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna check it out. It's really it's got Cozy Pal on drums. Um and it's it's just great. It's a it's a killer. Cozy Pals is destroying the drums on that, but it's just a great album, and I I really like it. And it's nothing against the Aussie stuff, but I was just I, that's not what I grew up on. I grew up on like I could I could go see Tony Martin. Like by the time I went and saw Aussie with Sabbath, it was like the late '90s when they reunited, and I wasn't that impressed with it. I and I, and I love Aussie solo stuff, but I just was not. Uh, I mean, any hardcore fan is going to hate on the next lineup, you know, if it didn't contain, you know, certain original members. Right. You always see that shit, you know, but uh, 
even if the album is better than it was the previous lineup you know so well i mean it's like it's like van halen i'm eddie van halen and i'm not a guitar player was my favorite guitar player and i went and saw every incarnation of that band i could because i wanted to see him perform you know and and I will tell people that, like, you went and signed with Gary Sharon? Yeah. You went and signed with Sammy Hagar? Yeah. I mean, I prefer the Roth stuff. That's the first stuff I saw. That's what the first stuff I heard. But I, I got yeah. to see him perform. Every time he was performing, I was watching, you know. And Yeah. I, uh, I My dad took me to see Van Halen when it was, uh, I forget, it was not It was not the four unlawful carnal knowledge. It was maybe before that. Oh, you ate one, too? Maybe that one, that was it. And it wasn't like a big venue from what I remember. Um, I was probably like 14 or 15, but... Um, He's a fucking great Alice guitar Ch- player, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alice in Chains opened up for him. Oh, that's awesome. It was, it was before anybody knew who they were. That's really um, cool. Yeah, and then, uh, then like the next six months, they exploded, you know, so... Well, that's it was, cool. It was pretty cool, man. That is cool. I've never been a Hagar fan either, but I can listen to it, man. But yeah, I like the David Lee Roth stuff better for sure. Now, for Sammy, I love his solo stuff, and I love Montrose, but I can't deal with, you know, the Van Halen stuff. The only record that I like, and again, you go give it a spin sometime, the only one that I can deal with is 5150. I think that record's great. But yeah, the the, the B side tracks, the the smaller tracks, not the not the hits, but the the non radio songs on that record, I think are great, man. Like the song that the title track fifty one fifty, I think the riff in that's killer. I think it's it's great. You know, it's got a lot of energy, and it's they kind of lost that after that record for me. Like it was still kind of energetic Van Halen stuff, and then but his yeah fucking guitar playing, man, is just I I just I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I just other than other than, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, uh, Scott from Thin Lizzy, I just, oh my God, him and Robo, I just think are the greatest things on the fucking planet. Um, well, um, Eddie Van Halen's style is, is really super unique, you know, and uh, and not just his style, but his tone. Like, his oh tone my God, is, is really different than a lot of guitar tones you hear out there, and it's uh, it just works, man, and, and it... I. Although I could always appreciate the technicality, it wasn't until I got older that I was like, man, you know, he was on some other tip with his tone, you know? he Absolutely. It's like he had his own, his own sound going, even if, you know, aside from the, the technical solos, he had his own, own, you know, just his own sound, you know? so It's funny you said that. I, I think the only two guitar players... That that you know, just for me personally, that I that I always recognize their tone. With two honor with two honorable mentions, but to me, Eddie and then David Gilmore, you always know it's David Gilmore. It's like yeah, David, yeah, David Gilmore's got that uh, that fat strat tone, or you know, it's and yeah, and his style, you can tell his style with those bends, the way he bends. Oh my god, it's oh. just you know, and then. Yeah. You know, honorable mentions. I would say Alex Lifeson and and uh, uh, oh yeah, and uh, oh gosh, uh, uh, Pete Townsend. I'm a big Who fan. I my all my friends growing up were Led Zeppelin people. I'm a Who guy. I will take the Who all day long over Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Pete Townsend is just an amazing songwriter. You know, 
Uh, he's definitely a good guitar player, but just the, the songwriting. I always loved his solo stuff. And, oh, my uh, God. He's you know, fucking... Not the type of guy who can name albums and songs, but I know when that shit comes on, I know it's Pete Townsend. You know what I'm saying? He's, well, it's, just, it's like uh, Keith Moon. I Give me Keith Moon over Bonham. I, I prefer Keith Moon. Keith Moon was something... Like, people telling me, oh, well, he, he would dynamite his hotel room. Cool, I want to hang out with him and drink beer with him. That sounds awesome. You know? Led, Ze- Led Zeppelin, I yeah. love Robert Plant's solo stuff, but I I feel weird saying this, but I never liked Jimmy Page. I was never a Led Zeppelin guy. I like the Robert Plant solo stuff, but my I heard it so much growing up, and it, you know, it was second tier. You know, I'm not that old, but it was second tier yeah. when I was growing up, and I was just like, oh my God, I just, I never liked, like, but The Who, I loved, because I never heard The Who on the radio. I never had it crammed down my throat. And then, weird, crazy story to tell you, Literally a year before my uncle died, we went to Vegas when Et Whistle died. We had tickets to see them when Et Whistle died in his hotel room. Damn. Which is just fucking weird because that was my uncle's favorite band. It was just weird we didn't get to see them together. I just thought that was bizarre. But um, yeah, I always I always thought that band was the shit. I I just I don't know. Yeah, I always liked them. But That's uh, some, great, some great songwriting and. Uh, you know, with those with Led Zeppelin, I I, I did like Jimmy Page. I, I did like Led Zeppelin, but the more you get older, you more realize how much that stuff's just straight ripped off from those old blues musicians of the mm-hmm. South, and you know, and uh, then it starts to kind of discredit them. Well, like you know, well shit, that's the same riff that Robert Johnson was playing. Yeah. Uh, but the Who didn't have that. You know, I mean, it was rock and roll and. But they had their own thing going, their own kind of mod style, you know. So. Oh yeah, just I, you know, and it's it's. You were talking about Gilmore, like Pink Floyd for me. My favorite is Animals. That's my favorite Pink Floyd album. That's a great album. It I, is, and I, I feel like I, people just don't know what it is. You talk to people. Oh, I talk yeah. to so many people. They have no idea what that record is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I listened to that six months straight, just on my my running headphones. Like, <laughs> my, my it's go, great. I put on, I put on, the music and like man that's that and and then uh i mentioned Mahavishnu orchestra birds of fire that's another album that i would run run to but i, I really didn't get into floyd till later in life man you know because uh yeah you know in college and stuff all the all the knuckleheads that like pink floyd they just kind of rubbed me the wrong way sure it was almost like it's almost like i'm not those guys they like worship pink floyd i, I wasn't one of those guys you know right and uh, only later in life I started to really truly dig into it and respect it. And for them to pull that stuff off back back then, and it's so unique, you know. And uh, nobody was doing stuff like that. And even to this day, nobody sounds like them at all, you know. You know, to me, and I, I don't really get, I don't ever hear them get mentioned enough in the prog community. To me, they're better than most of that top stuff. Yeah, yeah. The the. The recording and the song construction and the, oh my god, all the ins and outs and the the atmospheric vibes that they just build—they're just amazing. And then, of course, they're all great musicians too. You know, I mean, the guitar work is amazing, and to be able to play all that stuff—and it, it really is slow. You know, it is. And uh, I don't know. I, I mean, the way my experience is that. Slow doesn't necessarily mean easy. A lot of times, slow is hard. Is harder to play than the fast shit. You know. I had a guy. It's, it's funny hard, you said that. 
I had a guy recently <laughs> telling me, he was like, why the hell do you like Phil Rudd? I'm like, motherfucker, you try playing like that. Because I'm a drummer. And I, yeah. Phil Rudd, I think, is one of the most amazing anomalies on this planet. And people are like, "Why do you like him? How that? Why is that exciting?" I'm like, "He's a he's a, a really good at what he does." You know, yeah. it's like you can make fun of you. Don't, you don't have to like ACDC, but Phil Rudd keeps it in the pocket. And I mean, I I think he's unbelievable myself. But you know, just to do because yeah. again, like you just said, slow isn't always easy. Yeah, you know all those bands and the and like Yob and in those same veins with those long spaces in between. I mean, I I don't think it gets enough respect, man, because that that shit is hard to play on drums. Yeah, it is. The drummer's not he's not doing anything amazing, but you have to have a pretty solid internal clock to be able to pull that shit off. Fucking a. Steven, I can't thank you enough for this. I'm sorry for sidetracking, talk about everything else. Kids, pick up Radiant Knife's Pressure. It's awesome. It's available now. And, dude, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Yeah, man, I, I enjoyed the, the music conversations, man. <laughs> I've, now i got some stuff to go listen to. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, like I said, uh, I, I, I know it's weird, but Phil Collins, man, uh, no jacket required. The drums on that are just fucking crazy. Um, I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> and you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm.